Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to the Washington Weekly Podcast on the UBS In The Now Podcast channel. Our conversation today will bring you up to speed on a range of developments within the Beltway and beyond. Joining us once again for the conversation, glad to welcome back Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C. Shane, it's great to be back with you. Thank you for dropping by and looking forward to our conversation. A lot to catch up on. It's been a while, Dan, since we talked, but it's good to be back with you. So, Shane, I know there's been a lot of focus on the debt ceiling in recent weeks, and your team has been doing a lot of work on this, keeping our clients informed on the latest developments. So perhaps that's a good place to start. And with the debt ceiling, a lot of moving parts here. It is a story that's quickly evolving. So can you level set it for us, Shane, in terms of what's at stake and what the timeline looks like to reach a resolution or maybe even an extension of the deadline? Right. No, this has been really um, the top issue in D.C. this year. And, you know, it's been an issue that has kind of sucked up all the oxygen in the room, um, you know, since January. And now we're coming to closer a date of real action. So things are really starting to pick up and the activity is actually picking up instead of it just being a daily conversation about what's going to happen with the debt. So we're getting closer to the action. And, you know, uh, here we stand, you know, Friday, May 12th. We are about three weeks away from what Jan, uh, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has put out as the potential X date. And the X date is the date when Treasury will no longer have the means to, you know, shift money around and continue paying all of the government's bills. And at that time, if the debt ceiling is not increased, the U.S. could default on its debt, which would have major ramifications to the market. So, you know, Congress is now working uh, to try and resolve this issue. Um, earlier this week, President Biden met with the top four congressional lawmakers in, at the White House. They were scheduled to have another meeting today, uh, but that was postponed. I actually um, think that's a positive development. I think that staff on all, on both sides are are working behind the scenes to try and um, come up with something that seems agreeable, so that you know, it, uh, hopefully, an even more productive meeting next week. Versus, you know, if they held the meeting today, it would be kind of just talking uh, more without actually, you know, real solutions to present. So, you know. We're, 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 we're in that uh, period that's going to be tense for the next few weeks as they work towards a solution. There are going to be ups and downs. It's going to be a wild ride. Um, but right now, I think we're headed in a positive direction that the debt ceiling does get increased and, and, um, you know, we don't ha- uh, face, you know, calamity in the markets, but this is going to be a, a fluid rise in the next few weeks. Okay, so it sounds like a lot's perhaps happening behind closed doors. And as you cited, Shane, today's development, perhaps an encouraging indication of what's to come in the week ahead. So we'll keep a close eye on that. I'm curious, though, as far as these negotiations go, what kind of terms are coming up in discussions? Yeah, so keep in mind that House Republicans passed a bill just a few weeks ago to increase the debt ceiling. And it really laid out a marker for what they wanted to see in negotiations. You know, um, it repealed about $80 billion in unspent COVID money. It 
um, brought back in some uh, uh, spending for the future. It, it, what it did is put in place 1% uh, spending caps for the next 10 years in government spending on, you know, discretionary side. Um, so, uh, and it had a number of other items. And in over a 10-year score, it, it reigned in spending by $4.5 trillion. Now, a lot of pieces is unacceptable to the Biden administration and Democrats. You know, one example would be the bill repealed um, all the tax credits from uh, last year's Inflation Reduction Act that had to deal with green energy. Uh, so what you're now seeing is Democrats kind of drawing uh, lines in the sand uh, when looking at this uh, House Republican passed bill and saying, we won't do this. Let's talk about these other items. So, you know, um, those green energy tax credits are a red line in the sand for um, Democrats. And I think that's part of the negotiation that they're doing right now is where is the agreeable pieces. I think the first agreeable piece is to do something on the COVID money that has not been spent. Second would be some form of maybe spending cap, but I don't think it, it will be as low as 1% as uh, Republicans called for. I think maybe something like 3% is what uh, Democrats may agree to. Secondly, I don't think uh, Democrats will agree to 10-year spending caps. I think they'll go for something shorter. You know, um, keep in mind that President Biden only has a year and a half left in this term, so he may try and say, you know, let's not bind the hands of myself if I win a second term or anyone else that occupies the White House in 2025. So I think there'll be negotiations there, and that's where we're heading. And there are other areas, but I think those are the top two areas that uh, we're seeing some level of agreement. Um, so uh, a lot more to come here, but, you know, I think th this has been, as I said so far, uh, healthier than we anticipated. So hopefully it will continue on that track. Now, something else that jumped out at me, Shane, from the work your team has done with your weekly updates indicating specific to an extension, the significance behind Republicans wanting a deadline to occur before the 2024 elections. Democrats, on the other hand, pushing for a deadline post the elections, perhaps even into 2025. What's the significance behind that? Yeah, no, I th that's a, that's going to be a big issue uh, in the negotiations, and you know I think um, we won't know the the final outcome of that till till the very end. As it, I think it'll be one of the final details uh, to be you know agreed upon. Republicans want a shorter deadline because you know they want to keep the pressure up on deficit reduction, uh, especially you know while they have the House still, and you know. Um, you know, if they can make this a presidential issue, they believe they um, are on the winning side with public sentiment that as you increase the debt ceiling, government should also, you know, try and do something to keep its own fiscal house in order and rein in uh, excessive spending. Uh, Democrats, you know, don't want to uh, tie their hands and have to have the same uh, debate again next year. Um, they're hopeful that they're not only going to win the White House, keep the Senate, but they believe they have a good chance of taking back the House in next year's election. So, you know, I think uh, they're hoping to push it beyond that election where they may be able to increase the debt ceiling um, without uh, this kind of drama and, you know, and, and have to negotiate uh, a lot of these spending cuts that they uh, disagree with. So, 
this is a big fight to come. I, I think the outcome will actually be a little bit of a mix where the debt ceiling um, may technically uh, come before the election, but with the use of extraordinary measures, which is what Treasury is doing right now, you have hundreds of billions of extra spending. So, you know, Congress may not actually have to act until after the election next year. So a little bit fluid. And, you know, uh, you know, as as it's important from the perspective of, you know, us as market watchers, seeing turning on the TV today, you know, they're talking a lot about the debt ceiling and potential impacts on the markets. So, you know, they're only you keep having this uh, debate and you keep impacting markets. You know, we, we as observers obviously would like to see less disruption in the markets and more certainty. So pushing it off further, maybe, you know, a better um, outcome from that perspective. No, it's a good point, Shane, how the markets never like uncertainty. And at the moment, there seems to be some tie to this particular story. I know your team is updating our clients on a weekly basis with developments. And we'll see what comes next week and in the weeks to come. But this was helpful just to level set on where we stand today, what's at stake, what's being negotiated, and how this might play out in the weeks and perhaps months to come. So we'll, of course, continue our debt ceiling coverage on future podcasts. Though, to put the debt ceiling aside for a moment, maybe to revisit the southern border, this is timely because Title 42 had expired last night. We're recording here on Friday, May 12th. Can you refresh us a bit on what the policy had put in place and what its end means for border policy from here? What comes next? Right. Title 42 um, was uh, a restriction put in place uh, in March of 2020. So, you know, kind of at the outset of the pandemic, um, you know, Title 42, excuse me, is, is the use of emergency health authority. And so what was done here was to say, you know, during the pandemic, we're going to sh- essentially try and shut down the U.S.-Mexico border um because of the pandemic and say that those seeking asylum, you know, could no longer get asylum. And this actually had a, a significant impact. You know, uh, uh, I've seen numbers saying that uh, almost 3 million migrants were turned away from the U.S. border who were seeking asylum. So this had a, a real impact um, uh, to migration flows. Um, so, as you know, President Biden um, has now rescinded it as of midnight last night. So, you know, it's kind of what happens next. You know, I think there's an expectation that there'll be a, a surge of migrants seeking asylum at the border. And President Biden actually sent 1,500 U.S. troops to the border for this. Now, they're not being uh, sent to the border to help um, uh, border patrol agents in the sense of stopping uh, migrants from crossing the border. They're there for kind of administration, if you will, where people who claim asylum, you know, they have to be processed. And, you know, the uh, Biden administration is, is trying to set out, um, you know, uh, parameters where they'll accept 30,000 people per month from Venezuela, Haiti, Nicaragua, and Cuba, um, as long as they come by air, have a sponsor, and apply online first, this, um, the government will also allow up to 100,000 people from Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras, and the U.S. who have family here if they apply online. So there's a, a lot going on here, a lot of moving parts, um, but you know you're seeing both sides 
you know, um, dig in their heels to some extent on this position. You know, you have frustration from Democrats that, um, you know, President Biden should have done this sooner, even though he tried to do this sooner and he was met with a, a, a lawsuit that kind of uh, pumped the brakes. Uh, Republicans on their side in the House this week, they passed a border security bill to try and emphasize that they're on the opposite side of of this border question at large. So um, this will lead to uh, some fighting. There is uh, some uh, talk of these, this issue and the border security bill that Republicans passed this week leading to a bipartisan deal on immigration. I think that's overly optimistic at this point. You know, we're going to keep an eye on it, but um, I, I think uh, I think that's too much optimism. I think both sides are so dug in on this issue that it's going to be really hard uh, for, you know, the middle of each party to come together and be allowed to do um, some kind of bipartisan deal on uh, immigration issues. But uh, be prepared for this to be, you know, a hot topic uh, this weekend and the coming uh, days and weeks as well. Yeah, it sounds like a contentious topic in Washington at the moment, similar to the debt ceiling. A lot of eyes on this story on a national scale, and we shall see how this unfolds in the immediate aftermath and what the months ahead might have in store. Though, Shane, thank you for dropping by the podcast today, keeping our listeners informed, in particular on the developments surrounding the debt ceiling. As pointed out, we will, of course, continue to keep you, our clients, our listeners, informed on how this all takes shape in the weeks and perhaps even the months ahead. And Shane, thank you again for your time and insights today. Looking forward to catching up with you again next week. It was great to be back with you, Dan, and I look forward to catching up with you and our listeners soon. Sounds good. Thank you, Shane. Have a great weekend. And we have been joined today by Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C. I do want to point out to our listeners, our clients of UBS, please be sure to reference the latest Washington Weekly publication, which is now available up on UBS.com slash Washington Weekly. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreement and disclosures that we provide to you about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review Client Relationship Summary provided at UBS.com forward slash Relationship Summary or ask your UBS Financial Advisor for a copy.